the hosts of Fang Theory are not experts in any of the subjects discussed, and nothing they say should be taken as advice or expertise. Fang Theory is not affiliated with Summit Entertainment, Little Brown and Company, or anything to do with the Twilight franchise. We are merely fans, here to have some fun and apply vigorous amateur research to the world of our favorite vamps. Welcome to Fang Theory. I'm Paige. And I'm Hannah. Today we are answering the following question. What x-rays work on a vampire? Kind of a niche topic. <laughs> Listen, this unabashedly is something that I just was wondering about. <laughs> yeah, this was actually something that Paige just texted me at like one in the morning yeah. and was like hey do you think vampires could get x-rays done on them okay because hear me out the whole premise of an x-ray is that it can pass through soft tissue and this does sound yes. potentially a little childish but do vampires have soft tissue right right so what we are going to explore today is the different possible answers to that question, because we found there was some merit to it. It wasn't just fantasy. <laughs> I mean, it's all fantasy, but... It is all fantasy. I, I, I like that I like that you're saying that vampires are not fantasy. No, vampires are real, Hannah. <laughs> vampires? Yeah, vampires are real. X-rays are actually the fan- fantastic. That's true. Every, they, they're, they just made some drawings, and when you go to an X-ray, they just pick through the selected existing I, what am I talking about <laughs> you know what though sometimes I really do be thinking like that because <laughs> like for instance for, for everyone to know I just very recently completed a lot of organic chemistry and um and sometimes I'm like I swear chemists are just making things up to make themselves sound smarter they saw everything else that everyone else was doing and they're like, damn, we don't sound as smart, we're falling behind. So they just started making shit up. <laughs> I genuinely believe that. <laughs> There's no way that any of chemistry exists. <laughs> well, that's a bummer because chemistry is actually a really important part of our discussion today. I know, but so so consequently, I don't think physics exists either. I think that we're just a simulation. None of it exists. I wouldn't disagree with you. <laughs> Alrighty, well, do you want to tell us what x-rays are for the um, the people who, the sheeple who still think x-rays are real? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, sure. I'll, yeah, I know conspiracy. <laughs> um, I'll feed into it a little. <laughs> so x-rays are um, a type of electromagnetic radiation. Uh, that their their rays themselves are shorter than light waves, um, like on the on the light spectrum, we have visual like light isn't a binary, <laughs> light is a spectrum. 
<laughs> exactly. Light. Light is a spectrum between masculine and feminine. <laughs> Gamma rays, masculine. Well, light is literally the rainbow. <laughs> um, well, I mean, like, um, like visual light, like yes. colors. But X-rays have shorter wavelengths than that. And X-rays, because they have shorter wavelengths, they also have higher energy than that. Mm-hmm. So, because of their higher energy and their shorter wavelength, when we take an x-ray, an x-ray is able to penetrate through the tissue, through our body tissue. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. However, however, the reason why x-rays like don't penetrate through bones is because bones are made out of calcium, and so they're a lot denser than our skin. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, for us mere mortals, our our bone is denser than our skin. Oh, that brings up such so a like, troubling possibility about vampire bones, but we'll come to it in due time. <laughs> yeah, I I don't want to think about what vampire bones are made out of. Things right like now. Wolverine. Excuse me. <laughs> That's Wolverine. Wolverine's not a vampire. No, but his bones are made of um, the made-up Marvel metal. I almost said aluminium. Oh, <laughs> oh so made up. <laughs> something like that. Alloy something. Are you talking about vibranium? Okay, adamantium is stronger than vibranium. <gasps> what? Yeah. And they're all made up. <laughs> I mean, they they literally are. I don't know that that is a, a disqualifying factor on our Twilight podcast. <laughs> I don't think vampires exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, so I don't think vampire bones are made out of, what's it called? Adamantium. Adamantium. Hannah, I don't know that you knew this about me, but you know how I was a marble fiend until, like, basically college? Yeah. My first love, aside from Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, was actually the X-Men. Oh, really? In the fifth grade, I wrote Jean Grey fanfiction and turned it in. You did not. I sure did. I didn't know at the time that it was fanfiction, but I definitely did that. And I went to Jean Grey for Halloween that year. Wow. Yep. Um, I think this is just kind of the, like, the story of all... Not of all English majors, but of all people who like grow to have a, a like a a passion for writing, turning in fan fiction for for a class assignment. I mean... I'm not saying anything, but when I was in like seventh grade, I did in fact turn in Harry Potter fan fiction as for like a writing assignment, a creative writing assignment. Now I did change all the names, but that doesn't really make it better. I mean, I did not change the names, so I actually do think that does <laughs> oh, make it better. No. But I was also 10. <laughs> um, Back to x-rays. <laughs> Back to our Twilight headcanon podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, bones are made out of calcium and therefore are more dense. And because they're more dense, um, there's just like less for an x-ray to, to bounce off of. Whereas our skin is made out of... Uh, like hydrogen and carbon it has fewer electrons um and so 
you know, and so the short wavelengths can actually penetrate through that. Okay, hold on, hold on. Less of a chance. Penetrating and bouncing off of are opposites. Yes. So they cannot bounce off of bones? They can bounce off of bones. Okay. But they, it's really, it's really more of like, how many electrons are there that could create a potential obstruct, like a, a potential barrier, right? So, like, because skin has um, less electron-dense elements, there's just a less chance, like, a there's just a lower chance that the x-ray will hit an electron and bounce off. Whereas bones, because they're so dense, it has so many more electrons, x-rays, there's a higher probability for an x-ray to hit off of one. Okay, I'm with you. Yeah. So, so you know, like we alluded to, that, that means that vampire skin, because it's made up of something different, that, like, an x-ray probably works differently on it. And vampire skin is denser, so, like, does an x-ray, like, if you take an x-ray of a vampire, will anything show up? Like, will you be able to see their bones? This is Twilight's answer to vampires can't be seen in mirrors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is a 2005 response. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I mean, I think the troubling thing for me is that because what's going on here is at the, like, molecular level with electrons, mm-hmm. that kind of suggests that vampire skin is made of different elements than human yeah. skin. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe, maybe, maybe vampire skin is just, like, made out of many more carbon chains like imagine if if vampire skin is just carbon fiber or like a plastic yeah you know like a like a polymer okay all right we'll have a skin episode eventually something we should return to i don't i'm not educated enough at this point to have an opinion on that but it's it's worth thinking about it is jesus would that hurt (laughs) Have your atoms rearranged? (laughs) I mean, it, yeah. But, I mean, from what we've seen, the transformation process is not kind to a vampire's body. No, but I think maybe this is why it hurts so much. (laughs) Could be, could be. But because of that, yeah, like, if we, if we tried to take an x-ray of a vampire, I'm, I personally don't know if we would really see anything. Like, I, I think it would just just be a block of you know if you take an x-ray of an arm it's just gonna you're just gonna see the arm it's just gonna be a photo (laughs) (laughs) they're just low-res photos for vampires yeah yeah exactly low-res very expensive photos (laughs) unless your dad's a doctor true (laughs) the colons have excellent health care options which the irony (laughs) i know (laughs) Um, but that is not to say that that vampires are just, like, immune to radiation, right? Uh, funny you should mention it, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to take us to a, a different place than maybe was expected. Talk- well, we've already talked about Marvel, so <laughs> I think we have already taken them to a place they didn't expect. <laughs> well, I want to bring us now... To tardigrades. Let's hear it. 
so tardigrades are microscopic, mostly marine animals. They're also called water bears or moss piglets. <laughs> okay, wait, I've heard of the water bear thing. I have not heard of moss piglets. <laughs> That's so charming. That's so cute. Moss piglets. That is so cute. So, I want, for anyone who hasn't seen a tardigrade before, first of all, you're missing out. Second of all, I'm going to have Hannah describe them to you. Um, okay. I don't even know. (laughs) I don't even know if I would be able to accurately describe this. They kind of look like little turds. Now, keep in mind, they're, they're microscopic. Yeah, they're between 0.1 and 1 millimeter. Yeah, so they're itty bitty. Um, They kind of, yeah, they kind of look like little turds with um something like eight legs, right? Yeah, they have eight legs. And, and each leg has little feet on them, like little grabber, grabbers. <laughs> they actually have claws. Um, oh, are they really considered claws? I'm going to send you a picture where it's more obvious. Okay. And they have these little, like, butthole mouths. Okay. And I understand... Yeah. I understand that that doesn't sound very cute, but they are very cute, in my opinion. You shouldn't look at a picture if you haven't already. But, yes, they're they're blobs. They, they really do kind of look like bears. But a bear, if you, like... If you had to make it out of clay and you weren't a very skilled sculptor. Or, like, I I think about this a lot, but you know how, like, way back in the day, you know, in, like, the 10th century or something, I don't know. Okay. But, like, you know how, you know how royalty would, would often um, commission artwork and they'd be like, in this painting, I would like for there to be, like, a lion or something. Mm-hmm. Like, what if the artist didn't know what a lion looked like? Oh, that real that happened for sure. If you've seen European paintings yeah. of lions. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's like if you were to ask someone, like, in, in 1059 or, you know, some random year in the past <laughs> to be like, hey, can you add a lion? to my painting and they just had never seen a lion so it's just all guesswork it's like if you ask them to, to paint a bear like what do you think a bear looks like and this would probably be what they, they'd give you but I think they're, the cuteness of tardigrades comes from the fact that they're, they're the same like from head to tail they're like the same width so they're kind of like tubes yeah. <laughs> they do like look, look like little tubes fat chunky little straws yeah it's it's really hard to explain why but they are very cute. Well, I I always consider them like cute the way that okay, no offense to any pug owners, but they're cute in the way that pugs are cute. Like they're cute despite the fact that they're a little misshapen, a little squished looking. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry pugs. I hope I didn't offend any pugs. All dogs are good dogs. <laughs> All dogs are good dogs. And in addition to being very cute, tardigrades are extraordinarily resilient to the point they have been found on every single continent on Earth, including Antarctica. Oh, they wow. have been found in the in salt water in the sea, <laughs> in fresh water, and on land, 
And according to some of the resources I read, if you just are kind of patient, you have a microscope, you can go find them in your backyard. Oh, cute. Yeah. So they're pretty much everywhere. They have nice. their own phylum, Tardigrada, Grada. <laughs> And that phylum includes 1,300 species, approximately. <gasps> Wait, there are, like, multiple species of the tardigrade? There are loads of different species of the tardigrade. Wait, that's so fun. Yeah. And this is what I mean when I say they're really resilient. Like, they've adapted to different environments and gotten way more and more specialized. But we've known about them since the 1700s. <laughs> oh, wait, really? Yeah. I wonder how, well, I, I guess they did have microscopes back then, never mind. <laughs> I had the same thought. I was like, have they seen them? And then I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're very metal. Like, in addition to just being, like, kind of omnipresent, they're able to survive in very extreme weather conditions. Good for them. I cannot. Yeah, me neither. Like, they've been known to survive desiccation, which is the oh. fancy word for extreme dryness, but not, like, just the yeah. way that my hands get when I'm in the cold. We're talking, there is no water in their cells. The tank what? is empty. <laughs> what? They have been able to survive this for up to 10 years. Oh, wow. And they can be frozen to just above absolute zero for years at all stages of development oh my god they're bonkers they've been able to survive in the vacuum of space yeah in like extreme heat like above boiling Mm -hmm. they're really metal good for them yeah I mean, I think that this extreme dryness point is really interesting because we've been sort of dancing around vampire metabolism. Yeah. Obviously, water is really important in metabolism, which is a fancy way of saying regular cell function. Mm-hmm. So we we may come back to tardigrades for a couple different reasons. <laughs> in the near future. In the near future. But among them, how they function without water, because vampires don't have that much water in them. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. (laughs) They can go days or weeks without oxygen. Damn. And mm, for our purposes, they can withstand a great deal of radiation. I love that for them. No cancer for the tardigrades. No, nothing for the tardigrades. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Tardigrades are out here just being straight up ballers. You know what? They're surviving, but are they living? <laughs> I think so. Look at that little face. <laughs> I know. I think so too. I think they're having a gr- I think they're having a great time on this planet. I think they are too. I've seen ones where there's like a little little speck of something. They're like reaching for it, a little snack. <laughs> oh, and they go nibble, nibble, nibble. nibble, nibble, nibble. <laughs> so this this radiation point is really interesting because X-rays are a form of radiation. Correct. And so it it brings us to another possible path, maybe in addition to the skin point from the beginning of the episode. There have been many recent studies on tardigrades and radiation. Like, it's a a very new developing science. 
Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out. I, this is cutting edge stuff. You you heard it here fo- first, folks. <laughs> that was terrible. You you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we have now suddenly come a breaking news journalism agency. <laughs> CNN better watch their backs. Scientific American who? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. one of the most recent studies took a look at, again, a very specific species of tardigrade and found okay. that they have a specific protein known as a damage suppressor. From here, DSUP. That is the scientific word, DSUP. DSUP. DSUP, Hannah. DSUP, bro. DSUP, dog. <laughs> What's the sup dog? <laughs> Stop! I was gonna make that joke. <laughs> okay, so D sup, which could explain what protects tardigrade DNA from damage, even after exposure to radiation, including quote protecting DNA from strand breaks. So. DSUP mm. is like this protein that binds the DNA, like gets all up in there and mm-hmm. pre- prevents it from being damaged, fraying any breakdown as a result of exposure to radiation. Oh, interesting. So, like, it is just like a permanent source of, um, like an antioxidant. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the studies described as an antioxidant. Oh, really? Yeah. I, were you reading oh, ahead, shit. or did you just guess that? No, I just guessed that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's straight up an antioxidant. I don't. I put some quotes on here because I don't know if they mean anything to you. Okay, hit me. So one of the studies found that the protein is intrinsically disordered, quote-unquote. Okay. Do you know what that means? Um, so... Um... Interesting. Okay, my okay. first my first thought was, uh, you know, like Murphy's Law, like, and um, is Murphy's Law real? Yeah, I thought that was just something I said when I don't bring a coat and then it rains. What? <laughs> you know, it's Murphy's Law. If you bring a coat, it won't rain. If you don't bring a coat, it will. That is not what Murphy's Law is. <laughs> Since when does Murphy's Law have anything to do with raincoats? No, it's just like anytime you're prepared for something, it won't happen. And if you don't... Yeah. Murphy's Law is an adage that is typically stated as anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Will go wrong. If right. You, if you don't bring a coat, it will rain. So, so like, in a not as philosophical sense, it, it is basically just saying that, like, uh, the natural state of the universe is chaotic. Oh. Yeah. I see the physics now. Yeah. <laughs> um and so so tell me again what what's up with the, what's up with their what's up with this protein? It's intrinsically, it's intrinsically disordered. Disordered. Like my mind. Hmm. So so things in our body have a specific shape. That's how like that's how a lot of molecular biology works, is that, like, proteins have a specific shape. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and there, and you know, and as we talked about in our hormones episode, like the reason why we think venom can like replace certain uh, hormones and certain proteins and certain receptors is because it takes form, it takes the form of the specific shape of our like naturally occurring of these naturally occurring elements, right? Yeah, it's a D sub. So, so if if this protein is intrinsically disordered. As in, it doesn't have a specific shape. That means it can, like, it 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 allows itself to just kind of take on whatever it needs to take on, you know. So venom would also be disordered. I I guess yeah. I guess we could say that. It's very interesting. So I mean, D sub. By being intrinsically disordered, that's what lets it fit around the shape of DNA. Like, it can adjust itself to fit the DNA shape. Which, it would, yeah. That's what it sounds like? Yeah. Well, my, I, yeah. My first, the reason why my first instinct was to think about Murphy's Law is because um, the whole, like, chaos thing applies to our bodies, and, like, there's a reason why we have, for instance, like, electrical gradients and, like, the production of ATP and whatnot is that it 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 is a process of our body following this, like, chaos law and then rejecting it. So building, like, potential and kinetic energy and, and this and that. And so, and so, but I actually don't, I don't know necessarily if, if that is what this article is trying to say. I think it's more, more just that. The protein doesn't follow a strict shape, and therefore it can it can adjust itself. Yeah. Well, the article found that this was due to strong electrostatic attractions and high protein flexibility, which is what allows D sub to shield DNA on this molecular level. But scientists still don't actually know the mechanism of that. Like I said, cutting edge mm, stuff. That's troubling. Yeah. But to your point, it sounds a lot like how we described venom in the hormones episode. Yeah, I would agree. Which I don't is it becoming tiresome for people for us to just be like, we think it's because of it. <laughs> hey, if Stephanie Meyer can do it, we can do it. I guess. We at least gave more of an explanation as to why the venom does the thing than she does, so That's true. It's definitely a do sex machina, but at least we're giving it very specific situations. Exactly. <laughs> and hey. We reference, we're referencing our specific episode. Like, we have, there's a backbone there. That's true. Steph, she's not referencing anything. She just said, this is how I want it to be. She said, women are complicated. Men are very simple. (laughs) (laughs) That's my scientific backing. (laughs) That's a woman who has never seen a diagram of male genitalia. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so a study was done where D-sub was introduced into human cells and then it was exposed to, quote, oxidative stress, UV irradiation, and another study, Mm x-rays, which the cells that had D-sub, like, as part of the, introduced into the genetic makeup, increased cell survival, Mm -hmm. quote, by triggering significantly different cellular mechanisms. So, some interesting studies have been done on tardigrades where, depending on what happens to them, mm-hmm. the response is different. 
Okay. So with x-rays, DSEP just kind of shields the DNA in the way we described, preventing mm-hmm. damage in the first place. But in other situations, the DSEP triggers repairing like operations within the cell. Hmm, interesting. Let me see. It says, specifically, UV radiation is one of them. A direct protection of DNA is not exerted by D-sub, quote-unquote. Rather, quote, it seems to activate a mechanism of DNA damage repair. Which I wasn't really sure what to make of that. Hmm. I, I am curious what specific repair pathways they're talking about. As we discussed, another reference, as we discussed in our, like, saliva episode... Like, our saliva also triggers a, re- a repair response. They're, they're in the comment if you want to look. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, that's too much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think it was worth doing in this episode because I don't think that's what's going on with vampires, but I put them there, as you can see by my comment, in case they mean anything to you. They mean abs. That is all gibberish to me. <laughs> That's okay. So I mean, I just thought that was kind of an interesting point. I think vampires probably that would not be the case because to be able to repair cells like that stands in defiance of this frozen philosophy. Yeah. So I think it's much more likely that it's being protected from damage by something like a a D sub. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see the latter being more realistic. And that, that would make sense both for x-rays, right? Like, this is mm-hmm. good to know. We need to go get something out of Chernobyl. We can send Edward. Like, it'll be fine. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> we have our own little army <laughs> against nuclear threats. <laughs> Which is really funny because of Arrow's whole speech at the end where he's like, oh, the technology of humans, I they know. might be able to destroy us. Just kidding. Artifice. <laughs> the p- most powerful thing we have in terms of tools of destruction is nuclear weaponry vampires be chilling vampires well I think I do think that this was something that was always assumed that you know a vampire could survive like a like a a nuclear nuclear extinction (laughs) you know to be honest I didn't know that for sure in fact I'm still not 100% sure because they're they can be killed by burning if they were directly mm. hit with a nuclear weapon, I actually don't know that's true about that. That's true. I I just imagine like they would probably be the at least at the least last one standing. They definitely would, and there I'm sure would be vampires who wouldn't have been directly hit. So what we're looking at is a future world where all new species come from tardigrades or vampires. <laughs> the vampires would definitely die before the tardigrades. Oh, the vampires would kill They'd- each other. Yeah, they would have because no, they would. I mean, they would have no food source either. There's no blood to be drinking if, if all the humans are gone. I mean, but they can't die from starvation, right? This is why tardigrades and vampires are such an interesting comparison to make. Mm-hmm. Vampires could also survive desiccation, <laughs> but I think that. But wouldn't they be? Wouldn't they be like really weak? Yes, and I think they without would without the blood supply. I think they would become crazed and start killing each other. Yeah, exactly. But if there was one vampire just just by himself, 
And he would be okay. I think, yeah, he would survive that hypothetically until a new species evolved. But then we would get into an interesting situation where it's like, with the species that evolves from tardigrades, <laughs> whatever, be similar yeah. enough that that vampire could drink it, or would that vampire just be eternally yeah. trapped, starving? Ah, that's a good question. Hey, you know what, though? If there's anyone that could do it, it's Aro. Oh my god, yeah. He, he that man doesn't has lived need blood. so much. That man lives on spite. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. I'm going to bring us back from the detour that I sent us down. (laughs) Yeah, so DSUP is this really interesting phenomenon, and scientists are still researching it in a very, like, pressing way. All the studies Mm -hmm. I just talked about were in the last three or four years. Wow. As recently as 2021. Yeah. So... There's also, a lot of this has to do with tardigrades' metabolism. Oh no. Okay. (laughs) I know, I know. I mean, one of the studies looked at, if you have a desiccated, like a dried out tardigrade, which, again, we're going to go into this in a little more detail, but they... A quispy tardigrade. A quispy tardigrade. But when they they don't have enough water, they enter what's called a... Excuse me. When they don't have enough water, tardigrades enter what's called a ton state, which if you've okay. ever seen like a roly-poly, they kind of do that. Oh, They become little bulls. That's so cute. I can't. That's so cute. Yeah. And then they just vibe like that until water is reintroduced. And the on a really molecular, or on a cellular level, what's going on in a desiccated tardigrade is actually quite different from what's going on in a regularly functioning tardigrade. Okay. Their cytoplasm becomes replaced with this protein that's very viscous and thick. And oh, ba- ew! Yeah. And basically it halts the deterioration of, like, the organelles or the shifting of the organelles uh-huh. in the cell. And so they're kind of just, like... Like in amber, <laughs> oh, and eventually it becomes kind of glassy. And like I said, we we have there's a lot to say there, which we will not get into today. But <laughs> so you would think that a a desiccated tardigrade and a almost said a desecrated tardigrade. Oh no, <laughs> a desiccated tardigrade and a hydrated tardigrade would have very different experiences when when exposed to radiation, but the responses were actually quite similar. Which, quote, shows that the tolerance is not restricted to protection mechanisms in the dry state, but relying on mechanisms in the metabolically active animals. And the reason I bring this up is because obviously vampires are not in a ton state. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So the fact that whatever is protecting tardigrades from radiation exists Mm -hmm. in the ones that are metabolically active is really promising for an application of vampires. Hmm. I mean, to bring it back to antioxidants (laughs) and like protection against UV radiation. So the way that UV damages um, DNA and therefore damages cells is it when when you when a UV wave hits uh, DNA, an electron will likely fly off because of the sudden pulse of of energy mm-hmm. on the cell, right? And so that 
causes a thing called free radicalization. And, and so what the antioxidant does is that it brings in an extra electron to kind of repair the patch, right? So what it sounds like to me is that is that there's a very long chain that of preserving like just just a lot of antioxidants in this in their in their jelly. <laughs> yeah, kind of. That was when, actually I I didn't make the connection because I I didn't know that about X-rays. But one of the things the studies looked for is responses to free radicals. You're spot oh, on. Okay, so so good for them. <laughs> they're never gonna get cancer. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're straight chilling. I genuinely don't know what would kill a tardigrade. Um, I don't like the idea. So I don't like the idea that their cytoplasm just turns to jelly and then hardens. It just sounds like you know, like those pranks when you put like office supplies in jello. <laughs> That's kind of what's going on. That's so gross to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but also it's just, it's really interesting to me because it seems like the stuff that kids talk about, like the basis of like science fiction and whatnot, that yeah. if you just put something in something thicker, everything will just slow down. Yeah. and But I guess in this case, they're really not wrong. That's kind of exactly what's going on, yeah. I mean, it does mm. make me wonder why we can't just freeze... <laughs> That is stupid. But I'm like, why can't I just be frozen? Why can't I wake up from that? Well, you know, Walt Disney's head. <laughs> um, hey, uh, I've been watching a lot of Marvel, as you know. And in that universe, it's completely plausible. So, <laughs> so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pretend we're there. I... I'm going to imagine that the Twilight universe and the MCU are interconnected. All right. All that to say vampires, thicky skin and probably thickier bones. X-rays are just lo-fi images. (laughs) We forgot to talk about vampire bones. Um, well, how much was there to say about vampire bones? It's probably also denser. But I think that the what this probably means is that vampire bones are probably just as dense as their skin. Because why would they need to be denser? Well, they do need to support something, right? Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. Never mind, that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the function of bone. <laughs> you thought they were, you thought we had bones just to have bones they're just floating around in our bodies i was like well they, they gotta be tough so they're hard to break and i was like well if the skin's hard to break then they're, they're done <laughs> <laughs> um okay this has been fang theory whoa, 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 whoa. i haven't done the whole wrap-up yet so we got thick skin we got thickier bones we got lo-fi pictures X-rays are just lo-fi pictures. Um, vampires could probably never get skin cancer because their skin, if they have, if they have DSUP, they are essentially, they have permanent sunscreen, which I wish I had. I think we're going to get into that in the next episode. Vampire skin. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Because um, I think it'll, I think it'll give, I think it'll make me very jealous. <laughs> As someone who is very scared of getting skin cancer all the time. Yeah. Um, tardigrades. The end. 
This has been Fang Theory. I'm Paige. <laughs> and I'm Hannah. We'll be back in two weeks. Goodbye. Avengers, assemble! <laughs>